Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tiny DevOps. I'm your host, Jonathan Hall. Uh, today I have with me a guest, uh, George uh, Stalker, who is, uh, well, I'll let, him, I'll let him introduce himself, but I know, among other things, he teaches TDD. And so I'm here to have him today talk about TDD and some of his nuanced takes on the practice. So, hi, George. Welcome. What can you tell me about yourself? Yeah, so thank you for having me, Jonathan. Uh, George Stalker. I've been in technology for around 15 years or so. Uh, I've been in all sorts of uh, industries, large and small, and all sorts of teams, uh, large and small. And that's from where my experience with uh, trying to help uh, team scale come in. And one of those ways uh, is test-driven development. It is a tactic, but it's a rather nice tactic if you, uh, if you buy into it. So uh, before we dive in too far, uh, maybe you can define for us uh, and for any listeners who might be confused, what is TDD? Because I know there's a lot of opinions about it, what it is and what it isn't. How do you define it? Yeah, so uh, TDD was uh, pretty poorly named. Um, it, it says uh, the TDD is test-driven development. Uh, and the idea is that your view of the system or what the system should be should drive how the system actually exists. In this case, you write a test um, that defines a piece of behavior in your system, and you make sure that test will fail. Uh, and then you write the, the amount of code that will take that test to pass, and then you iterate on that. But from those, um, there's a lot of nuance in those three little uh, uh, rules, and that's where a lot of the misconception and problems that people have had with TDD come forth is because you know, they either liken it to unit testing or they liken it to implementation testing instead of behavioral uh, testing. Um, and the difference is, of course, every morning I drop my daughter off at daycare. The behavior is she gets dropped off at daycare. How I get there is the implementation. That can change, and that should change as my circumstances change. But the behavior that she gets to daycare is the thing that does not change. And so the test should never break as long as that invariant behavior holds true. And that's you, you, from there, that's where we get into the issues that people have with TDD is sometimes we get focused on the implementations and not the behavior we actually want to define in the system. Uh, how did you learn about TDD? You said you've been doing it for many years, but what, what was your experience? You know, how, how did you go from, say, completely ignorant of the topic to, to an advocate? Yeah, this was the, this was the early... Uh, late 2009, early 2010, it was the, the rise of software craftsmanship. Uh, and you may remember software craftsmanship, North America being a conference. And I had a mentor who had been there had kind of drunk in the TDD Kool-Aid, uh, and was starting to, you know, it, it was introduced into the team that I was on. I had the mentor, we started going through it and, uh, I said, okay, this is neat. Um, this allows me to work in you know much faster feedback loops because you're using the test interface is actually now your UI. You know it's the thing that gives you feedback, not running the entire system end to end, which is nice, uh, much faster. Um, but also, I was running into the same problems that everyone else has run into, which is as soon as the tests get to any appreciable size or any parts of the system start communicating with each other these tests are now really hard to maintain. Mm -hmm. And that's where I kind of hit the plateau with TDD. 
I said, this is nice, but this can't work for large systems. It just, it just can't. Um, and the reason, the technical reason uh, is that, you know, when you get to larger components that communicate to each other, they're communicating and you need to mock them out if you don't want to deal with their long running processes. And once you start getting into mocking and stubbing, you're actually mocking and stubbing implementation behaviors. You're mocking things the system does to accomplish that overall goal instead of accomplishing that overall goal. And that's what ends up making uh, TDD tests uh, unmaintainable at a certain size. And for a long time, I, I didn't think there was a way past that. I just mm -hmm. thought that this is, this is it. This is where we're stuck. If you sign up for TDD, you are signing up for the pain of mocks and stubs. Mm -hmm. And nobody, nobody wants that. No, no. Do you always use TDD? No. In your, in your own coding? And, and how do you decide when to and when not to? Yeah, I don't, I don't even use it most of the time. Um, okay. I use it where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the one of the precepts of TDD is that you are um, you are testing the behavior of the system. Well, that means you have to know the behavior of the system. It means you have to understand what you're trying to do. And a lot of times, if you're working unknown, for instance, when I started with firmware no idea like there were there were multiple components and multiple systems that i didn't understand uh you had the ble radio you had uh the os that we were running on top of you had all the the lights and the haptic motor that had its own events and i didn't understand the behavior of the system at all mm -hmm. um if i had tried to do tdd from there i would have probably spent months hitting my head against a wall as i learned new behaviors that i had to account for mm-hmm and so what I'll end up doing is I will end up, um, you know, throwing the fishing line out there and seeing what I catch. So I'll try something in a new system, see how the system reacts, and then iterate from there. And only when I have an understanding of the problem I'm trying to solve and the behaviors that I want to see in the system do I actually uh, go with TDD. Um, mm -hmm. And that, that comes down to uh, if you don't know what you're trying to do, then it doesn't it, it doesn't, the tests don't matter. It's, you've got to figure that out first. Uh, I, I hear some hardcore TDD advocates, uh, some very famous ones saying things like, uh, it is irresponsible to write production code without using TDD. Can, do you agree with that? Or can you debunk that for me? Uh, anytime anyone tells you anything is irresponsible without knowing your exact context, um, you can safely ignore them. And uh, that's one of uh, the issues that I'm trying to help uh, resolve with TDD is that idea that TDD is a craftsman tool or that to be a professional, you must use TDD. No, mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. not. Um, it is a tool. It is a tactic. It uh, is, has a set of times and a set of circumstances where it is appropriate. It has a set of times and a set of circumstances where it isn't appropriate. And production code-wise, I can think of lots of production code that shouldn't be TDD. Um, most notably, if you were writing, let's say a service that interacts with a third party, you know, and you don't know what that third party does, or even if you do know, um, does it make a whole lot of sense to put more effort into that system than you're getting the value out of? So in our case, for instance, if we're talking uh, with Twitter's OAuth API. No part of me 
is going to be you know writing TDD based tests that are you know ever touch what it's doing. If I have to do something really complicated on my own on the inside, perhaps. But if I'm really just saying, hey, I'm connecting the Twitter API and I'm turning this data into that data, I'm just going to write an integrated test for it or I'm going to write uh, a contract test and maybe not integrated if I have to run it through the CICD a lot and I have to actually depend on Twitter. But I will write it an integrated or excuse me, a contract test that will say, hey, I am pretty confident that Twitter will always re return these values and I'm going to make those invariants in my system. That's the kind of test I would write. I wouldn't necessarily, if my interaction with something is purely at the grab this data and turn it to that, I don't see the re reason for the ceremony around that, yeah, around using yeah. TDD. Makes good sense. What what are, just briefly, I know you, you could talk for hours about this, but briefly, when, uh, when should you use TDD, uh, especially if you've never done it before? Uh, when should you consider, maybe I should try to learn TDD for this? Yeah, um, so uh, TDD is a team sport. Uh, software is a team sport. So if you're in a professional situation, you're like, I would love to subject the rest of my team to this new thing that I barely understand, I, I commend you. However, uh, being that there are other humans that you're going to have to interact with, um, maybe make sure the context of the team is right for it. Maybe make sure that you've got buy-in and real buy-in, not just, uh, you know, the, the I'll be quiet and just nod my head yes buy-in. Uh, so from a team perspective, introducing TDD means getting people on your team to buy into it. And that's not going to happen uh, generally, unless you're very charismatic, if you just say, hey, we're, there's this new thing, we're using it. Um, you know, TDD-driven tests do need to be maintained. Uh, everybody's buy-in has to not just be, yeah, we'll do this, but also we understand what we're getting into. We are now not unit testing implementations, which is what you do typically with unit tests. We are now test driving the behaviors we expect to see in our system. And everybody has got to be mentally, you know, bought into that new concept uh, and that change of how they operate. So if you're talking on a team wise, then you, you've got a lot of people work to do. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're talking just you as an individual, um, there are several good, um, they teach you the tactics uh, behind TDD. Uh, and they call them in this world, we call them katas. Um, which, uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of um, analogies that we use that deal with uh, martial arts, um, and that's one of them. So if you look up a, uh, a TDD kata like the bowling game or Conway's Game of Life, those will happily teach you the mechanics of TDD, but there's going to be a giant gap between that and using it in a production code base, and that's mm -hmm. part of why... Uh, I've, you know, I'm putting together a course on it. Part of how, when I am teaching companies how to scale their technology, and they ask about TDD, you know, that's where we, that's where we talk about. Okay, let's actually, you know, teach you TDD according to your code base because your context is a lot different than an internet uh, kata. Definitely, I recall when I learned TDD the first time. I was introduced at a conference. I ran home thinking, oh, I'm so excited to try this thing. I tried it. It worked in the technical sense, but then I found it to be so worthless because, uh, well, for one thing, the rest of my team wasn't doing it. And for the other thing, I just, you know, I, I knew how to go through the steps, but I didn't understand the context of where do I use this practice in my daily work. And I ended, I became a TDD hater for several years before I again later came around. And uh, it took me months of, of and, I, and, and this was working by myself. 
this wasn't even trying to convince a team. It took me months to, to get to the point where I felt confident and comfortable and that it was a benefit rather than something getting in my way. Uh, I can imagine trying to accomplish the same thing if I have five other people I have to convince at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and that goes back to when we last spoke about the plateau. I'd hit a plateau with it, and I was just like, you know, this can't think, think can't be used. And then I encountered, I actually went to, uh, it was PyCon 2012, I believe, uh, in Santa Clara, California. It was a Python conference of which I was learning Python at the time. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to go to this PyCon Python conference. And by the way, wonderful community. Love the Python community. And Gary Bernhardt, um, his site is destroyallsoftware.com, but he uh, gave a talk on boundaries. And basically his talk revolved around the fact that TDD either uh, inside out, which is you know go from the most interior component of your system and work outward, or outside in, which is work from the user and come inward, they both have... Uh, issues when you get to try to scale uh, using TDD uh, over anything that's basically trivial. Um, both of those methods either lead to over-architecting in the case of inside out, or in the case of outside in, you've got too many coupled dependencies to how things actually work. So you're now making over, you over rely on mocks and stubs, but his method, which he deemed uh, functional core and imperative shell basically says, um, you know, when you have to deal with the outside world, you wrap that nice little uh, imperative shell around your actual system. And then you that reduces the number of inputs into your system that you are running that is created entirely through TDD, the, the functional core. And that you use certain functional principles. Uh, you stay away from object mutation uh, being one. You make sure that the types you're using are your types. Um, and then that way you've insulated yourself from the outside world where it needs to be and where there is an outside world that you've actually got to test and you've got to deal with, you don't do those through TDD. You might use integrated tests. You might use contract tests. You might use end-to-end -end tests. Um, but you don't do that part of the system through TDD. So you're, you're giving yourself a compromise option, which can work for larger systems where you know, traditional and classic TDD will fail. For somebody who's completely new to TDD, or maybe they've tried and failed like I had a few years ago, and like maybe they hit that pl plateau you've talked about, um, obviously we could subscribe to your course, and we'll have details for that later on. But uh, what are the steps that somebody can take to overcome that plateau? Uh, you just talked about a, a new paradigm of, of sorts uh, for thinking about your, your code, but what, what are some concrete steps that somebody can take to overcome that plateau? Or, or to dip their toe in the waters for the first time? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it comes down to asking the question of the thing that you're trying, trying to accomplish in your system. What is the behavior I want to see? Not how am I going to get there, but what is the behavior I want to see in my system? Um, and that's the first step is decoupling the imperative steps we like to write down as programmers. Do A, then do B, then do C, then do D to, no, I actually want to send an email. Like that's, that's it. That's the process. Send an email. We will, we will have known that this thing works if an email gets sent. And we will know it hasn't worked if an email does not get sent. Now steps A, B, C, D, and E might be implementation details in that system. Uh, if they're behaviors, like we want to make sure that we are sending it to a valid address, well, that's a 
You know, that's a behavior. Validate that the address exists. So the first step is to kind of switch our mind thinking from what are the steps I need to take to what are the behaviors I need to see in my mm -hmm. system. With uh, Once you get to that, and you're going to hit your head against that one a lot. Um, at least I did. You know, uh, is that it's easy to specify the implementation. It's hard to say, what if the implementation didn't matter? What is the magic one thing that I could do to get to the end result? And that's the behavior. Um, and then how to test that. So you're going to spend you know, dozens, 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 if not hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours just dealing with that. Once you get past that, once you get a good eye for that, then it's how do we interact with the outside world? Uh, and you have a decision to make. <laughs> um, one of the pitfalls is trying to use TDD for everything. It's not. It is not meant for everything. Um, if you find yourself saying, hey, I hate using mocks and stubs, that's a personal preference, then don't. You know, Write your system in such a way that functional core and imperative shell that I talked about earlier, where you don't have to mock out parts of the system you don't deal with. You don't have to mock out the database. You know, when the world enters your system, you have a user. You don't care how you got the user. Stork could have dropped it on the keyboard for all we know. <laughs> you just have a user. Um, you know, when you are sending a message, you send the message. You know that you sent the message. Whether it gets to the other end and what they do with it is their business, but you've sent the message. And when you start to, in your mind, mentally shut down the parts of the system that don't actually matter to you at that moment and stop worrying about them, then you're able to focus on the particular pieces you need. Too many times as programmers, we try to see the whole world uh, and try to fix the whole world instead of fixing that little part that's right in front of us. Um, we start to worry about, oh, how am I going to abstract this away? Or, you know, what if the, you know, what if the email gets sent but gets bounced back? Those are other people's problems at other points in time. Your problem at this point in time is sending an email. Mm -hmm. um, and that way, once you've kind of, you know, got your thinking to, you know, where you are and what you're doing to borrow a, a Yodaism, um, then you're able to focus, stay in the moment and write just enough code to do the thing that you're trying to do. Um, from a most of most of writing TDD successfully in a team, uh, part one is that mindset shift mm -hmm. is that personal mindset shift. Part two is making sure the system models that mindset shift. <laughs> so okay. you, you may end up, if you're going into a system with no tests, you may end up, the first thing you're doing, of course, is putting the system under some sort of test, even if it's just an integrated test. Um, but it's also starting to see, okay, what are the behaviors in this system that I can break out? What can I throw a behavior into? And I might you know, throw that into a class uh, or a method that has several other methods that are doing things. Where can I throw a discrete start and end to the behavior in my system? And where can I now focus my test on that discrete start and end behavior, the state at the start, the state at the end, and the behavior itself? Um, and that gets you a lot of the way there. But as I said, most of it is a mindset shift and a change to how people uh, actually work shift. And that's one of the reasons uh, that I think that TDD has not been adopted writ large is because we are we have not been able to successfully um, market 
you know, that mindset shift is actually being um, valuable, more valuable than taking steps A through E. I, I agree. And, and like you said at the beginning, you know, TDD isn't really about testing. Uh, it's, it's named poorly. And, and that's, that's put a bad brand, uh, if you will, on the practice, I think. Because uh, yeah. people think, oh, I need to com compare TDD to my other variety of testing practices I might choose from. Right. And making a false comparison. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, if you think, if you say TDD and unit testing in the same breath, take a step back and realize they are different, they exist for different reasons. Um, if you start to say, well, you know, unit testing can replace, um, can replace, you know, uh, QA testing or end user testing or integrated testing or end to end testing or contract testing, take a step back. All those different parts of testing of which TDD is not a testing strategy. It, it gets, it looks like one. If you squint enough, you see one, but it's not a testing strategy. All those other testing strategies have their times and their places and they can't replace each other. You know, a a 100% unit tested system that's under 100% code coverage can never replace one QA person. It won't. Um, we see those memes on the internet, you know, unit tests two, integrated test zero, uh, when you put two parts of the system together and something unexpected happens. But that's where the humans are. You know, they're the ones that, that try that unexpected thing. Um, that we as programmers, when we're creating the system, can't even conceive of. So no no testing strategy can subsume all the other testing strategies. They all have their time, they all have their place, they all have their reasons, and they're all complementary. Um, and TDD is more of a, um, it's architectural. It is an architectural strategy for your system. How do I get my system to uh, work together without being coupled to different behaviors uh, and coupled to implementations? Or how can I you know, build on and allow this part of the system to be easily changeable um, in case we learn something new, which we do every single day. Um, so TDD, poorly named. There are tests, not a testing strategy. It's a development strategy. It's an architectural strategy. Um, but it can't subsume and it can't replace all those testing strategies that we have. Suppose that you're on a team. Maybe you've learned TDD and you've done it well on a previous team and you've changed companies or you've changed teams and you've joined a team that doesn't do TDD. What what should you do? Should you give up? Should you try to convince them? Should you do it by yourself and not commit your tests? What are the options? What, what should somebody do in that situation? Yeah, so it all depends on whether it actually depends on the topology of your current system. So if your current system is a monolith, you're going to have a different strategy than if your current system is based with service-oriented architecture or, as the kids like to say, microservices. Um, it all depends because in a microservice, the really nice thing about that is you are isolating your code deployability from the rest of the code so that any changes you make, if you add tests and no, no other service has tests, doesn't matter to anybody. No one cares as long as when they're writing code in your service, uh, they don't break the tests no other part of the system actually cares. And so for there, you know, if the rest of the team doesn't use TDD, I'm new on the team and I think, hey, this would really help us. Um, for one thing, I probably wouldn't bring it up right away. I would just quietly start to, you know, write my service with tests, you know, test driven. And then when I'm working with someone else on, on the service that I'm responsible for, showing it to them. And so mm -hmm. it becomes down to if you go to a team that doesn't use TDD and you do, and you want to get the rest of the team to, 
you got to work on your charisma. You've got to work on um, you know, not selling it, but under having people understand how it solves problems that they themselves have. So it becomes learning how people who are on the rest of your team, how they think and what problems they're actually having. Mm-hmm. Um, but will absolutely not work uh, and hasn't worked yet that I've seen is a top-down, we're going to use TDD without... Um, without understanding and without those mindset shifts that everyone needs to make. Absolutely. For the, for the last 20 years, we've been very focused on software delivery as a set of processes and techniques. What we've not been as focused on uh, is that there are humans involved and uh, it's not about the software delivery. It's about the team making the software. And that's where, when we try to sell these processes and these techniques, we're trying to sell the, you know, the actual techniques themselves. We're not trying to, we're not taking into account rather the team and the people and where they're at in their software journey, where their business is at, the context around the business, the context around the team, the architectural context, the financial context of what they're dealing with. What deadlines do they have? Why do they have those deadlines? Their customer context, all those little contexts that we kind of ignore when we, when we espouse our favorite technique or our favorite paradigm, uh, all those contexts are absolutely crucial to understanding what set of tactics and what strategy would actually work for a team. Yeah. So let's say that our team, uh, that the team you've joined has, they're all on board. They've all watched this or, or listened to this podcast. They're all on board with learning TDD. How long can we expect before they start seeing a benefit from this? Yeah. Um, so, that's tough and that's team dependent and that's that's topology dependent and that's one of the reasons why i've shied away from teaching tdd you know i I teach you the mechanics and i teach you the mechanics of functional core and imperative shell through a application that i use but if you're actually going to you know bring it to your application to your context then however you learn it has to be in that context it has to be it has to work in that context so for instance if you're a heavy etl driven system uh, with data warehousing, there's going to be a separate set of strategies than if you're just a simple CRUD app. Mm-hmm. So from a how fast will a team be productive with TDD in the local sense? Pretty quickly. But in the is this maintainable for the system I'm in sense, uh, that will change based on the team and based on whether or not you are successfully able to, you know, everybody on the team has the mindset shift and you know already has the answers or at least understands what direction to go to when it comes to communicating among other systems and that's the part that varies from team to team is once you get everybody gets the the basics down pretty quickly um but then it's the oh wait a minute this system was developed in this way and now i need to mold it this way well do i have the time to do that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, will the manager guy or the manager person the php the pointy headed business person say, yes, you can do that. Or will we not listen to them and just do it anyway? Uh, and so all of those things are team dependent. Great. This has been an uh, informative conversation. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we, uh, before we co- bring this to a close? Yeah. So TDD is one tactic. There are lots of other tactics that you can use. And in the video that Jonathan, um, and I can link to in the show notes, I gave a video on is TDD right for your team? And it lists a lot of other tactics and strategies you and your team can use, of, of which TDD can be one or of which it doesn't have to be. Um, but the most important part for your team and the people listening to this is that you choose the 
tactics and strategy that fit your contexts. And that won't be the same as everyone else everywhere. I love that. Uh, there's so much dogma out there about you always have to use TDD or TDD is always evil. I, I like uh, talking to somebody who takes a nuanced approach. It's uh, it's a breath of fresh air. So thanks for that. Um, do, do you want to share any resources? Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely link to that video. Uh, are there any other resources you recommend for people to follow up on? Yeah, so uh, you can reach. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking about this on my site at georgestocker.com. Uh, there's a mailing list that you can subscribe to, and I talk about this and other sorts of tactics and strategies you can use to scale your tech uh, daily-ish, uh, daily as I'm able to. How else can we get a hold of you then, George? Uh, are you on social media? I am. I'm at Gortok, G-O-R-T-O-K. And I would like to point out that World of Warcraft stole that name from me. Mine was there first. <laughs> um, there's a story behind that. But uh, on Twitter, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, at, at George Stocker. Uh, and my site is georgestocker.com. So cleverly named. Very clever. Great. Well, thank you so much, George. It has been a pleasure. Uh, I hope that the, uh, the listeners have uh, found a new perspective on TDD. And we will follow you on Twitter and watch that video. All right. Thank you very much for having me, Jonathan. Did you know you could watch this episode and other Tiny DevOps content? Search YouTube for Tiny DevOps to see all of my guests' beautiful faces. My thanks to Riley Day for the Tiny DevOps theme music.